So Joey Morrison is running for the spot of mayor in the city of Bozeman in Montana. We're going to be speaking with him today here on the left wing. My name is Desmond Price. I'm the host of the Independent Thought Podcast. I'm joined by my special co-host, Daniel Carlino, who is a current um, city council person of the city of Missoula in Montana. And we are joined by our candidate, Joey Morrison. Joey, how are you doing today? Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, we're we're in the the liminal time of just at times it feels like the election is a million years away and it feels like it's suddenly right around the corner. Um, and so every day feels a little different. But today I'm today I'm feeling good. Today's That's good. good. That's good. You know, I I have quite a few questions for you about what it is like running in this race and what you plan on doing. And, you know, we're going to be talking about housing. So, you know, don't worry about that. we got some other questions we want to ask you as well. But before we get into any of those particular, like, issues, I want to ask you a very general question. Obviously, you are challenging an incumbent mayor, someone who's been in office for over a decade now. And you, you know, obviously, if you're challenging an incumbent who's been in office for that long, you have a different vision for the community than the incumbent does. And so I kind of wanted to start right there with you. Why do you want to run for mayor? And how is your vision for the community different than the current mayor's vision? Yeah, I, I appreciate that question. The it There's sort of you know, I think we'll get into more of the the like thematics and specifics of what are the nuts and bolts, what are the policy pieces that we're we're wanting to to run on change. But the 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 piece that motivates me the most, and the piece that I think speaks most to why running against an established incumbent is sort of like the soul of our campaign, which is that the working people of Bozeman need their voices heard in City Hall and need to have their representative perspectives carried forth in making the decisions that affect their lives most directly. Um, the sentiment when I am out knocking doors, and I'm talking with folks in the community, and this has been the case for the last two years since I ran in 2021. It has been very clear that people do not like the direction that we're going in. And we have seen time and time again that actually the current commission and, and the current mayor is, is certainly part of this leadership uh, is actually very proud of the direction that Bozeman is going and is making very, very minor efforts to divert us from the direction that we're currently going. And the people of Bozeman are are struggling. Um, I'm struggling in this community and I'm I'm wanting to put forward a, a campaign that gets to sort of put a referendum to the people of Bozeman that says, that, that answers the question, are we okay with the direction that we are going in? And overwhelmingly, the folks that I'm talking to are saying no. Yeah, that that's great. I feel like the world that you know we all imagine and that we'd want to see um, is so far from where we're at right now. And there's a lot of change to be had. And I'm just wondering if you think um, the mayor's office in in Bozeman is is a place that revolutionary change could 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 come out of, and 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 we could really get that sort of you know you know better world that that we that we all envision. Yeah, there's is a little bit about how Bozeman's mayoral system works is really the mayor has very little additional authority than any other member of the commission. So we have just a five person commission um, and the mayor first as elected, they serve two years as the deputy mayor to sort of get their feet underneath them as far as how to be a commissioner. Then they spend the second two years of their term as the mayor. The mayor has some authorities over, you know, what sorts of things go on the agenda. They 
they have the ability to speak first and last in commission meetings and, and things like that. And also, you know, obviously get to show up for different ceremonial purposes, um, but also get to be a leader at building relationships and being a convener. And those are the things that I'm most excited to bring energy around is being a convener of great ideas, of uh, building relationships. Um, and I think that's one of the values of not only, you know, my background as a social worker, but also my background as a, as an organizer is that I recognize that relationships are the currency with which we get things done. And I am, I'm a, I'm a relationship builder as a, as a natural skill. It's something that I just think about constantly, the relationship that I have with other people, what are the things that they want? What are the things that the county wants? What does our school board want? What are the public and private sectors here available in the city? What do they want and what do they need to be brought to the table in a real negotiating way? And those are the things that I know that are essential for us to be really ambitious about tackling some of the most dire challenges that we're facing in Bozeman right now, like you know, folks experiencing homelessness, like our housing crisis, like uh, our growing uh, water needs that are going to be running up against our just the fundamental limit of how much water we can get into this valley. Those types of things need leadership from from City Hall, and we're not seeing that right now. So many people are really distraught and disturbed and concerned about the direction we're going. There's nowhere to funnel any of that frustration. The, the city is not leading community dialogues or engaging the community in a meaningful way to let people feel satisfied and let people feel heard. And instead, they're relegated to grumpy letters to the editor and angry posts on Nextdoor. And that's just not a way for us to be able to move forward in a meaningful way. No, that makes total sense. You know, whenever I've lived in Montana for a long time now, and, you know, I've lived in Missoula for over a decade, but I've had friends who live in Bozeman. I've made plenty of trips to Bozeman over the years. And it seems as though these two cities have a really, you know, powerful connection with the sense that it's becoming more and more like unaffordable to stay in these communities, the yeah. communities that we love. And that's the number one question that people ask me whenever, you know, like I'm talking to them, you know, about what's going on in their community they're like hey like what is going on with the housing crisis you know like why are things just getting more expensive why is it getting more unaffordable to live here like why is nothing changing and you know like i was saying before i don't want to bury the lead here this is the number one issue for everybody and so i kind of just want to ask you right from the top here what is your specific plan to help bozeman be more affordable to allow people to stay in this community to which they love and to not have to worry all the time about like whether or not, like if I lose this place that I'm in, that I'm going to have to leave this community, you know, all together. Yeah. Yeah. That is overwhelmingly what we run into when we're talking to folks in the community. Every other door we talk to, if it's not housing is their first issue, it's their second. And, and it's, it's really nuanced. I mean, the, we have, the, there's sort of like multiple chunks of the housing problem that we're experiencing here in Bozeman. There are folks that are seniors that they're, they've been forced into a position of the only way that they can meaningfully retire is to sell their home and leave Bozeman. A place that maybe they've lived for 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years, or they might be the third or fourth generation that's living in the house that they're in. And they just, they wouldn't be able to sustain it on a fixed income. So then their only plan is to sell it and leave. So that we're losing the ability for seniors to be able to age in place. We have folks that are getting pushed out of their housing and straight onto the street, which is, they're obviously deeply connected, but it's like, a, it requires separate mechanisms to be able to address those in a meaningful way for, for our folks that are getting evicted or pushed out or priced out and still maintain jobs and, and employment in the community, but end up living on the street instead. 
And then we have a whole block of people that are trying to put down roots that are young families that are unable to purchase all the while much of our inventory gets purchased as a speculative home purchase from someone out of state. Right. A lot of these pieces are at the end, at the end of the day, to be able to build housing and procure housing that we can deed restrict and we can lock in place, we need to bring people to the negotiating table and bring collaborators in. This can look like a lot of different things. Um, some of the most powerful tools that we have are YTEC or low-income housing tax credits to be able to actually subsidize the cost of, of the creation of those units. But there's also, and actually our city commission is going to be doing a short presentation on, on some of these tonight um, here in just a couple hours, kind of giving an update on where these are at. So my answer, you know, I, there might be a more promising uh, future depending on how that presentation goes. Yeah. Um, but there are certainly lenders in this community who are recognizing that just lending to developers that want to build vacation rentals is destroying our city. And there are absolutely lenders that have a recognition that, wow, I will absolutely take a, I'll take a little bit less of a profit to invest in housing that actually positively impacts our community. And there are lenders that have been working on these things. That, and many of them have called them things like housing impact funds. But a lot of these are the ways in which the city can be gaining and garnering capital to be able to either procure land or create subsidies or just sweeten the deal for a developer to build the housing that we actually need. So that's like one chunk is going out, getting the money, building the inventory that we need for the people who live here, prioritizing the people who live and work in this community and make it run. The other part is the city needs to start saying no to luxury developments. We are seeing just time and time again where the city is effectively operating as, as a glorified rubber stamp for luxury apartment complexes that go largely unlived in by any locals. Nobody can afford them. And they largely become short-term rentals or vacation rentals in, in various forms or go unoccupied altogether. I had heard a rumor recently that somebody bought a $1 million apartment for the parking spot so that oh their course didn't have to sit outside. <laughs> and, and I think those speak to the immense growing gap between the people who are struggling to make ends meet, but are actually the people who make this community run, the teachers, the nurses that are struggling every day with the question of whether they should stay, with the folks that are coming in with an extraordinarily amount, large amount of means and get to basically price the rest of us out without, without much consent. So those are like, those are pieces that the commission has a handle on being able to say no to, to prioritize inventory for locals. The other piece is, you know, going out and getting the money because we know that's, that's the main limiting factor that we have for places like Bozeman. I know Missoula has some different, different options as far as like land that is held by the city. It's just not not something that we have at the moment. Mm. The other piece that I just really want to talk about, because it's really on a lot of people's minds right now, is the way the city of Bozeman is tackling folks experiencing homelessness. Mm. Um, right now, there is talks of, of this fairly draconian ordinance um, that the commission will be voting on actually a week from today that will effectively fine, as it's currently written, is proposing to fine folks experiencing homelessness that are sleeping on the street, $100 per day, if they are unable to move their vehicle or their dwelling every five days, yes. effectively making it cost $36,500 a year to be homeless in the city of Bozeman. This does not get us any closer to getting those folks back on their feet. It doesn't get them, make them any safer. 
Um, it's putting in a really deeply undue burden on the people who are already struggling most in our community. And the city manager has already acknowledged this, that they, they estimate, and I think this is conservative, that somewhere around 80% are working full or more than full time. And so quite literally, our, our streets have become our workforce housing. And this idea that we just need to penalize those people because of aesthetic concerns is not leadership that I would want coming from, from the city commission that represents me. And it will not be the, the leadership that, that we see when I'm on the commission. Oh, geez. Yeah, we've got similar situation going on in Missoula right now, you know, with the rise of people who are experiencing homelessness, the city, you know, wants to put more and more resources towards moving people from one camp to the next spot, like when it's a hundreds of thousands of dollars lost that could have mm -hmm. gone towards, you know, helping them get a, a decent place to stay at night. And yeah. it's just a pivotal time, like across the country with homelessness rising, like, are we going to go towards more police and security and punitive measures or are we going to go towards like the more humane route and i appreciate you, you uh bringing this up and i guess the next question was just it seems like there's like a lot of people in bozeman who are volunteering and helping out with your campaign and it feels like there's a good grassroots momentum of people that just want to spend some time trying to make bozeman a better place through this electoral process and i'm just curious um why do you think so many people are are, are getting involved and in, in wanting to volunteer on a campaign like this? Yeah, I think, I think one at the, the end of the day, we're, we're good organizers. We're, we're good at, at identifying folks and giving them roles and making them feel like they have stake and autonomy and power in, in this campaign and feel bought in. Um, but also there's a, there's a different sense of desperation in folks for needing change, needing to feel some level of hope. Um, I think actually my my average donation is one of the things to look to. My in my race in 2021, my average donation was like 23 to 24 dollars. This time it's nearly a hundred dollars, and it's from largely the same people. Um, there are folks that have donated the max amount to my campaign who are basically living paycheck to paycheck, and actually saw investing that money into my campaign was a was a, a return on like hoping to get a return on their own investment. That that is something that actually will will help them in the long run. Yeah. And certainly that puts some, you know, that puts your some pep in my step, but it also like really gives a, a hefty feeling of responsibility of there are folks that that feel this crisis in the same way that I do that are out knocking doors and talking to people in their community. And one of the one thing that's been really really exciting and really just one of the most beautiful parts of this is going out to a canvas and there are volunteers there who I've never met before. You know, and they've they've self-organized and they've come out and they've said, I want to do this every single week until November 7th. And there there's you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to go right to the bed, you know, a few hours later after a canvas like that. Like those just kind of wake me up in a in a really special way. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it seems as though, you know, people are just feeling the burden, the you know, just all around squeeze of having to live in these yeah. communities. And, you know, obviously housing is the number one issue and we've, we've talked about that. And, you know, obviously it also like stems into people becoming unhoused. And that is, I just want to say just personally, the people who are responsible for that measure, who want to essentially find people a hundred dollars every five days, shameful, absolutely shameful. Like I cannot believe that I actually heard that that is legitimately being up for debate in our state. That's absolutely shameful, but Alongside of housing, there are some other issues affecting your community. 
I know that, you know, particularly you had mentioned to me in the past that, you know, there are folks in your community who are struggling with childcare, for instance. I think this is also another burning of the housing, you know, like uh, issue. People have to spend so much money just to live in a dwelling that, you know, they have to probably work more than they would want to. And then that leads to higher childcare costs and then probably they would otherwise have to take on. What is your plan to address that piece specifically for the people of Bozeman? Yeah, childcare. It's interesting, you know, in 2021, we would hear childcare almost interchangeably with housing. I think it has settled down for folks realizing that that for so many of like the cost of our groceries, the cost of childcare, the cost of school, they're still in so many ways entrenched in the cost of housing. That housing is what has squeezed everything else um, to feel more more unmanageable. But no doubt, childcare is an exorbitant fee for for young families. I know when I was sitting on on a city board um, last year, they, there was a presentation where folks were coming in and talking about programs that some other municipalities of comparable size have started to do, which is basically creating a scholarship fund um, to either cut checks to young families that are struggling to pay for childcare. Um, and we have we have some great organizations here in town that that have really amazing after school and childcare programs, um, like Childcare Connections and, and Kids Link and things like that that are run by local nonprofits. Um, the other piece would be the other part of those scholarships that, that some municipalities have done that I'd love to explore more is cutting checks on an annual basis to organizations that have the space to provide childcare within their own facilities. So whether the hospital has a part, you know, has like a few rooms that could be used for childcare within for their employees, or, you know, same with, you know, for, for public schools and things like that. I think Bozeman could could explore some of those things. I I think I we would run into not that many businesses are large enough, or that not that many organizations are large enough to potentially utilize something like that. But we have some large organizations and large nonprofits that absolutely have young families where you know one person often has to has to leave employment um, to take care of their children and things like that. And the ability to to explore options like that for for things like HRDC or for our hospital or for the city and county employees and things like that is absolutely something that that we'd want to look into. That's great. Um, yeah. Next question is uh, more about healthcare, which you know might not come up often uh, at the local level, but uh, but th but there are some possibilities of ways to help. And um, one thing is, I'm, I'm curious: is Bozeman's ambulance service uh, currently privatized? And um, it sounds like yes. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, and and uh, wh what do you think about trying to, you know, maybe work? Maybe this would be a Bozeman and Gallatin County or multiple government uh, uh, ordeal. But what do you think about trying to work towards a public ambulance service in the future? Yeah, I think that is absolutely, absolutely a no brainer um, for the direction that we need to head in. Uh, it's clear, it's clear privatized emergency medical response services have, there's a risk to them anywhere in the country um, when if they do not have a robust contract with the municipality that they can pull out effectively any time. And that is the current standing contract that we have with AMR um, is that, you know, if a few weeks from now they decided the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, they could just pack right up and move out. And we would be stuck. It would, it would effectively put all that burden onto our volunteer firefighters to respond to emergency emergencies, to medical emergencies. Um, it just feels like, the, and, and I don't know exactly at the moment where the county is at 
on these conversations, but th this is something that I've started to hear about recently actually came from canvassing a volunteer firefighter who <laughs> raised this concern to me um, several months ago. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the cost of an ambulance uh, ride is, is so expensive and. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've got like, you know, the police and fire and other emergency responses. So I don't know. It would be nice to, you know, to ha live in a world where people aren't worried about the cost of their ambulance ride and just, just yeah. the, the sole purpose is just get people help as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely I, come across people in the past who said that they didn't want someone to call an ambulance for them because they were worried about the bill. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And, and I've, I've heard like a comparison. This was a back of an envelope calculation by this person I was, I was meeting with that, that it's like $2,500 ish. If there's no treatment to get taken from the hospital, taken from your house to the hospital via AMR. And it's like two, it could be like $250 if you go with a volunteer firefighter. And it's just like, yeah, those are obviously very different emergency level expenses for folks to have to have to stomach. And it's clear that the people, people of Bozeman, the people of probably much of Montana uh, would like to see that changed. Yeah. You know, alongside of, you know, obviously the issues about, you know, like healthcare, childcare, you know, housing, people in our age demographic, particularly millennials, Gen Z, people really are focused on climate change. Now, this is something that you normally don't talk about at the local level. This is a national mm. thing, a state thing. You know, obviously, you know, these are issues we don't normally hear at a city government level. But I know that, you know, somebody, you know, like yourself, Joe, you were part of the Sunrise Movement. Am I correct in that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just want to know, particularly if you were to take office, what can be done at the city level to address climate change? And, and what would you plan to do, I guess, like with the powers that you do have? Yeah. Yeah, that is that is a question that I thought we were going to be grappling with a lot more regularly in this campaign. And I'm hoping, you know, we're getting in the forum season, so I'm hoping it'll start to come up more often. Um, I still I I feel like some of the rhetoric that still gets discussed, especially from other candidates in this race or from the city at the moment, is our climate action plan still has things like considerations of, you know, parts per million and consumer choices as if those are the main contributors to, to climate change. Um, the things that I would be most excited to start getting really pragmatic about is one, the creation of a department within the city that is specifically tasked with assessing and evaluating our climate mitigation needs and staffing it with people who will go and win grants so that we can actually put money behind these efforts. Um, there are millions of dollars in small town grants that the EPA dishes out every year it's just money sitting on the table. We absolutely need to be winning that money so that we can be building in, in a sustainable way. The other piece is that we are we will run out of water in this valley. There is a finite point, and it's been measured multiple times. It's it's a gray number at the moment as far as how many years we have before our housing and the people occupying this valley will overlap the amount of water that we have. We need every single plan and every single infrastructure infrastructure proposal, every single development that goes into this town to have that plan in mind, that understanding of the finite resource that we have, that we we're, we just quite literally will run out of water if we do not build in, in, a, in a smart way. And we're not at the moment. Other pieces are just being really mindful about our conservation efforts that we have already in place. City has a climate action plan that 
needs to be a lot more aggressive in terms of making sure, you know, right now it's still in our city code that developments have to have healthy green vegetative cover or green grass lawns. And is we know that those are not utilized. We know that that's sort of an antiquated relic. Um, we know that they're really water consumptive. They don't meet our water goals. We don't need them. Um, little little pieces like that will move will move the needle. But we also just know we really we really really need to make sure that we're protecting and prioritizing our green spaces that we have in this community. Um, Bozeman feels like a mountain town because because it is one. And we have a remarkable amount of of green spaces that people have access to, but we need to make sure that everybody can 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 continue using these. And some of those will be, you know, bolstering our public transportation infrastructure. That now we're sort of in a whole new world of you know exceeding fifty thousand people. We now have a new distinction. So the public transportation potential is is new and exciting. But beyond that, I the things that that keep me up at night are. When, when I'm hearing our elected officials talk about prevention, like climate change isn't already here. Like there's, like we can recycle and we can plastic bag ban our way into stopping climate change from getting here. All the while we had, you know, a once in a century flood just last year that displaced, you know, thousands of our neighbors, just the next town over. And I actually served as a rapid response case manager to make sure people got life-saving checks and, and the money that they needed to, to take care of themselves during that crisis. But it, then we just moved right on from it. Yeah. You know, there's there's no robust plans for wow. Do we need to do we need to do any like preemptive riverbank stabilization? What is the relationship between the city and the county and our local forest service to assess what sort of risk are we at? And there are maps all across Montana that are diagnosing like which parts of which parts of Montana are higher risk for which types of disasters. But there's not really a, a coordinated effort for what we do. And this came from a conversation I had with, with folks in FEMA and COAD that said uh, in FEMA, you know, federal emergency, something, something administration, COAD is community organizations active in disasters, um, that they didn't have like a robust plan with municipalities for like, what do we do when, when Glasgow, Montana gets flooded and it displaces everybody who lives there? Then they those people are likely going to go to communities like Billings and Bozeman and Missoula and be internally displaced within you know the state of Montana. Yeah. And I think it's it's really short sighted to to still think that we're not going to experience something like that. Like I just it really feels like an inevitability um, with the ways in which climate induced disasters are are ramping up every year in the state. That within the next ten years we're going to see see a disaster of that scale. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so much, so much to talk about in, in that section. Um, so you get elected, you've got about two months before you start as mayor. What's the first thing you're going to do as mayor? Yeah, so it's, a, again, like it's still a weird piece of like, I'll actually move in as deputy mayor. Um, so I, I won't have, have the the full reins of mayor. Um, but I, that's part of what's opportunistic right now is I actually... I'm pretty excited about serving as deputy mayor under the current of who will be mayor in January, which is uh, the current deputy mayor, Terry Cunningham. I feel really excited to to see some of to, to work with him and see some of his his processes and how how the commission operates under his leadership. Um, I know things that are are top of my mind for things that we want to try to talk about really early are things like what are what types of protections can we try to get in place really early? Um, for renters in a more aggressive way, like a you know a tenants' bill of rights and things like that. 
but the pieces that are longer, that are like longer vision um, or have a longer standing impact would be assessing and rewriting our city charter and appointing a, a, a government research commission to decide whether whether and how we want to rewrite our charter. Great. So, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Joey. You are going to be the first you know, interview that we have here on the on the new channel, someone who's running for office. We appreciate you coming in here and talking to us about all these issues facing Bozeman. And honestly, they're not just Bozeman issues. These are Montana issues. These are some of these are national issues. You know, we're talking about some of these uh, housing particulars. But to your race, you know, obviously you have an election coming up in November. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know, as you are going door to door and you are talking to people in Bozeman, what is your pitch to those who, you know, are just not sure if your campaign is correct for them? And also at the mm-hmm. same time, to those out there who are a little feeling pretty apathetic, to or feeling like as though like yeah. they don't even know if voting matters, if they don't know if this means anything, if they don't even know if, you know, like any of their opinions mm-hmm. are actually gonna have any effect on anything happening in the community. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. There's so much voter apathy out there. How do you talk to those people and how do you convince them that this campaign is actually going to tangibly improve the lives of the people of Bozeman? Yeah, that's that's great. I think one of the pieces that that sticks with people the most and impresses them um, is that we are running such a we're running by far the most aggressive field operation that that Bozeman has ever seen in any municipal election. And there's part of that that is just that's a winning strategy right? People like to be talked to at their doors. That is a, a Montana value that I've had all my life. We talk to our neighbors, we connect with one another. Um, but it also gives us the momentum and the cover to be really ambitious in the spring. It makes it easier to have a really big and ambitious 100 days after taking office. It has a, it gives us the grounds to have a really ambitious budget season because we've already been engaging the community. And that right. is so much of what people feel is they they just feel disconnected. They feel like their voices are not heard. They feel constantly disturbed by some of the things that the city is doing. And some of them are, are things that the city is doing without the guidance of the commission. They're just the nuts and bolts of how a city needs to run. But some of them are, are guided decisions that the commission is doing that the people do not feel is representing what they want to see happen in Bozeman. And being able to talk with folks and say, hey, are you okay with the direction Bozeman is going in? And they say, no. And then we say, okay, that's why I'm running. Let's talk about what we need to get to the Bozeman that we all belong and we feel safe in. I would say those are, the, the way in which we're running the campaign probably speaks to people more than individual issues. Like certainly everybody is gonna say, housing is really challenging. Sustainability is really challenging. Here are things we need to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The commission has been failing and commission can do more. But it is about how we how we're running in this campaign that I think speaks to people in a different way than just being able to to say you know here's here's X Y Z plan here's a here's something like that and I think those are the pieces that are waking up people there are people on my campaign who are giving fifteen to twenty hours a week who've never voted in a municipal election in their life and those are the kinds of things that that one we know starts to empower you know a younger generation to become the dominant voting bloc that determines how elections get 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 panned out um but i think those are some of the biggest pieces of just uh oh i guess some people like to hear that i'm a social worker some for some people that goes a long way um having a social worker background or being a community organizer um but i think a lot of it is 
we need we need new young energy. We need people who are willing to engage with the community. We need people who are willing to talk with people they disagree with. And that's my bread and butter. Well, hey, you know, we really appreciate you coming on the show today and talking to us about your your campaign and everything that you want to do for the city of Bozeman. For those who want to know more about your campaign, where can they find you at online? Yeah, all of our all of our socials um, are all Joey for Bozeman or Morrison for Bozeman. Um, people can come to our website. That's probably the best way to connect to absolutely everything else, which is morrisonforbozeman.com. Um, from there, I mean, you'll see, you'll see the people that have endorsed me. You'll see all the letters to the editor that, that are about my campaign. And, and you'll also see, um, there's some short form pieces of just like, here's some bullet points for the people who just want bullet points. And then there's like a few, like 1100 word long, longer form pieces on what are some of the things we want to see happen for the people who like to get into the weeds a bit more. All right. Well, for those who are interested, those links will be in the episode description. So go ahead and check that out now and you will see those links. I want to thank our special co-host, Daniel Carlino, current Missoula City Council person for being on the show with me today and our candidate, Joey Morrison. Uh, for those who are you know, in the Bozeman community, this is final, final question here. When does early <laughs> voting start? Yeah, ballots will go out on October 20th. Um, that's when they get mailed out you might get them you might get them the next day you might get them that following monday um i believe i need to get a, a, an exact date on when they can start getting turned in but i know um we're really encouraging folks to get registered in advance because i know that it's been confusing the last few years the changes right. around when um same day registration ends and things like that um, but ballots are coming out you should have your ballot by like the 23rd or 24th of october Perfect. Everyone vote early. Make sure you vote. Thanks for checking out this episode. Make sure you check out more about Joey's campaign and we will see you in the next episode.